You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Trozen. For more information about other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Well, I am glad to be here this morning. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Six of you. All right. Well, I am encouraged for the message before me. You know, the great thing about being in church is it's not about being in a building. It's being amongst family. Did you know that the church is made up of followers of Christ? It's not about a building. So anytime I'm at church, I'm excited because that means I'm with my community of people that loves me and we're in pursuit of the same thing, right? Relationship with Jesus and all that he has for us. So... Drew and Tanya are on vacation. Um, just talked to them last night. They made it back uh, on Friday from the Dells. And uh, they're doing well. They send their greetings. Uh, sounds like it was refreshing. Can I tell you, I know it may seem not totally fitting because I'm a pastor myself, but remove my pastoral hat for a second. The next 30 years that Drew and Tanya are here, I'm believing that in faith. Okay, I just shared that. 30 years. <clears throat> Be a church that takes care of its pastors of your pastor, Drew and Tanya. Because when your pastors are healthy, they're going to bring a good word and they're going to be rested and they're going to be ready to lead the church week in and week out. If the pastors aren't healthy, it's hard to do that. And so I so appreciate your guys' willingness to send them off, allow them to have some time as a family, get filled up, fill up their tanks. Lord, give them new vision, refresh their vision. So they're doing well. They uh, miss you guys this morning, but I'm excited to be here. So I'll put my pastoral hat back on. If anyone thinks that's a plug for time off, I'm not employed with LifePoint Church, so we're safe, okay? (laughs) Pastor Drew started a series last week called True Riches. And for those of you that weren't here, I just want to briefly bring you up to speed. We're taking five weeks to talk about true riches. You see, true riches in the kingdom of God isn't monetary, But in order to experience some of the true riches that Christ has to offer you and I in our daily lives, a part of that comes from our decisions with our money. The verse that's going to be our theme verse over the next few weeks comes from Luke 16, verses 10 through 13. It should be on the screen. And whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be also dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you for this opportunity this morning to teach from your word important principles, Lord, on stewardship of true riches, Lord, what that means, how money plays an important role in our lives as followers of Christ. And God, as I teach this morning, I ask that you would be speaking through me, that it wouldn't be my words, God, that would be yours. I pray, as Joe said earlier, Lord, that we would come with empty cups this morning, ready to receive For some of us, Lord, it might mean setting aside ways of doing things for many years in order to follow the truth of your word. 
For some, it might mean going a step further in what you're calling them to, Lord, regarding stewardship. Regardless, this morning, Lord, I ask that every single person here would leave change because of the goodness of you, Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching from a borrowed Bible this morning. Has anyone ever preached from a borrowed Bible? It's like hanging out with someone else's kid. You don't really know, like, what to expect. That was a joke. Um, my Bible, I lost my Bible. I was given a Bible by my students recently, and it's my favorite Bible because I'd given my other one away on a mission trip, and I lost it the other day. And so my backup Bible is called the Fire Bible. And if any of you know what a Fire Bible is, it's like 50 pounds. It's a great Bible to set on a hard surface when you can flip, right? But if you have to hold it or preach from a stand that can potentially go down, literally the Fire Bible will push this down. So I had to borrow a Bible this morning because I lost mine. So um, the good news is the truth of God's Word is the same, but just wanted you guys to know that. Hmm? Is it okay if we have fun in church? Good. We're going to get along. <clears throat> this morning, I want to talk about stewardship. Stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship is near and dear to God's heart regarding finances. I'm going to bring you into the difference of stewardship and ownership. Ownership is the act or state of possessing something. It's a right. It's control of something. When you're the owner of something, you have 100% say in what happens with that item or that thing. For instance, if I have $2,000 and I want to go purchase a vehicle, I go to the individual, I hand them the cash, they give me the title. Once I transfer the title to my name, that car is 100% mine, right? Because I have not taken it all alone, it's done in cash. I could take that car home and smash it with a sledgehammer and it'd be my right to do so, right? Now that wouldn't be wise. My kids would probably enjoy it. But I'd have every right to do that because I'm in full control of ownership of that vehicle. Stewardship, on the other hand, means careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So stewardship is totally different than ownership. Stewardship is managing some asset or resource that someone else has provided you with. For example, when I was 19 years old, a friend of mine asked if I would run his lawn care business. He was being sent to Uzbekistan for the military for a year, and he said, would you run my business? And I was like, absolutely. So one of the things I learned very quickly about running someone else's company was I am not the owner. I don't get the privileges of making all the big decisions. I have the responsibility of taking care of that business, making sure the welfare of that business and welfare of my friend is, is taken care of and, and hopefully doing my best to ensure that, that business continues to thrive and grow. You see, within the stewardship of my friend's business, I learned quickly that I did have a small amount of authority, right? I was given a portion of the finances to do repairs on those lawnmowers. I was able to use the equipment, the trucks and the trailers, I was able to see his spreadsheets as far as his budget and his finances, so I was privy, privy to a lot of important information. But at the end of the day, the decisions regarding finances, as far as I could go, was decisions that were in line with his budget and his vision for the business, right? I could not make ownership decisions. And this morning, I want to talk about stewardship in regards to our personal finances and how we use them in regards to the kingdom of God and what God's word says. 
I recently heard a quote, and I want to share it with you this morning. And one of the things that I've been asking the Lord is, God, how am I stewarding my family's finances? Yes, I give and this, that, and the other. But God, how am I stewarding? And what's beyond tithing generosity? I, I want to be a good steward. Well, the quote I heard recently I thought was very eye-opening. I think it's a quick test of how well we're stewarding finances. The quickest way to see whether or not we're acting like owners or stewards in regards to our finances is looking at our bank account. The easiest way for you and I, and I encourage you after this message to at least give yourself an hour before you look at your bank account because like myself, it was a little humbling. But you see, when you peruse your checkbook or your bank account and you start looking at where your spending is at, all of us will probably see something different, right? All of us are on a journey with the Lord. We're all growing. We're all learning how to be generous. We're all learning how to manage our budgets but when you look at your bank account, you see very quickly where our priorities are in life. Can I be honest? Too often, Panda Express holds my priorities. I'm not neglecting my family, don't worry. But I'm just saying, Panda Express shows up a little too often. Maybe Fuji Sushi Restaurant, I like sushi. Sometimes sushi, my wife's like, amen, she's over there. But it's eye-opening, right? You start to see how you're stewing your money, where it's going. You see, we often treat our finances as though we have ownership over them. And did you know something? Did you know that we, as much as we like to think that we have ownership of our money because we're working hard for it, we've saved, or this, that, and the other, that if you're a follower of Christ in the kingdom, we are not owners of our finances. As hard as that is, guys, we are not the sole decision makers regarding our finances. God, according to his word and throughout his word is we're called to be stewards with the resources he's given us. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Can I be honest? When I started digging more into this message, it was even humbling for myself as I was aware of this idea. But as I started looking at it, I'm like, wow, God, I act like an owner with my finances. How many times do you and I will just I'm going to throw a couple examples. How many times have you said something like this? And I'm with you guys. I've said these things. How many times have you said, once I get my debt paid off, then I'll start being more generous? Don't raise your hand. But if I was going to be honest, I'd have to raise my hand because there's been seasons in my life where I'm like, God, if, if I can just get my debt paid off, I'll be more generous. Or, God, if I just made more money, I would have more, you know, more wiggle room in there to be generous with you. God, please bless my finances so I have more room to be generous. When you hear me saying it, doesn't it sound kind of bad? <laughs> Lord, if you would just give me more, then I'll start being generous. For many seasons of my life, I've thought that way. And this morning, I want to bring us through God's word and what that looks like and how that thinking is actually not correct. So this morning, the one thing I want each of you to take away, and it's on the screen, is kingdom stewardship is putting our money to work for the glory of God. Kingdom stewardship of our finances is putting the finances that are in our bank that come through a paycheck every month to work for the glory of God. You see, yes, Kyle, but what about my house payment? What about my rent? What about my bills? Absolutely. That's given. God provides so that we can take care of our families, so that we can have a home, whatever that looks like for each of us. But the ultimate purpose of finances is to bring glory to God. Why is that? Because finances, money, in the world we live in, 
regardless of what we think, is like the most important thing to most of us. Even if we say our families are the most important thing, what is truly the most important thing in a lot of our minds at times? Finances. Why? Because without it, we don't have food, we don't have a car. And so God knew the importance of being good stewards with our finances because money was going to play such an important role in our lives. Money is not bad. That's important to know this morning. Money is not bad. It's amoral. It's not either immoral or moral. But it's a fact of life, something we need. So our number one responsibility is honoring God with our finances. So what does that look like? I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew 25, verse 14. We're looking at the parable of talents that Jesus was teaching. I'm going to read through that, and we're going to spend some time talking through it. Jesus says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then we get to the third man. He says, then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. What belongs to you? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw out that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So right away, I want to bring in a little bit of context to this. A talent in biblical times was worth about 75 pounds. A talent was a measurement of money. So whether that was gold or silver, whatever specific monetary um, item Jesus was referring to, the Bible just describes it, if you look at the Greek, is 75 pounds. So it was, a weight, it was a measurement of money. So that's important to know. Talents was a measurement of money and that Jesus was trying to convey a truth um, in this parable. The first thing I want us to consider when we look at that passage of Scripture is right off the bat in verse 14. And what I want you to understand is knowing our role in finances helps us make healthy choices. Knowing our role in finances helps us make healthy choices. So what do I mean by that? Understanding our place, so understanding that we are stewards of the finances that are entrusted to us instead of owners helps us and guides us in our decision-making for our finances. Give you a couple examples. 
when I look and I sit down and make my budget, if I look at my budget and I look at it in terms of ownership, how am I going to steer our spending? How am I going to steer our savings and all those things, right? It's going to be with me, me, me in mind. But when I steer, when I sit down and look at my budget, I steer it with stewardship in mind, kingdom stewardship. I look at my budget in a different way. I say, okay, God, here's our needs. Here's what you're asking me to give right off the bat is 10%, my tithe. You're asking us to be generous to these different areas. Here's provision for my family, God. Now, how else are you asking me to use this money? And you see, the two men who received five talents and two understood right off the bat what their role was to their master. Because the Bible says right when the master left, they went off and put their money to work. Whereas the first or the third servant didn't know what his role was. Some friends of ours some years ago um, back in North Dakota set a sweet example of what it meant to understand their role as followers of Christ regarding finances. They understood that they were stewards, not owners, with their money. Some of you maybe heard the story before, and I have many stories since, but this is one of my favorites, so I want to share it again. But they would often invite our youth over to their house. We were the youth leaders, and they'd invite us over, and, and they had this beautiful house and all these things, you know, Corvettes and Mustangs and four-wheelers and all these things. But the thing that you saw with Kevin and Huey is they always, always walked through life with their hands open. Everything they had was to honor God. They never held on too tightly. And I remember that one of my favorite times was uh, two times. One, we had a student over. He was going through a difficult season. So Kevin brought him in his Corvette and just, you know, started racing around the block, being crazy. And for a 16-year-old boy, that's about as cool as it gets, spinning, you know, cookies and smoking the tires. For, for those of you who doesn't know what that means, it's spinning the tires. And um, I just remember seeing that and th thinking, those are really expensive set of tires. And he's probably wearing out half the life on one, on one high school student. And what it dawned on me was, is he understands stewardship. He understands that he has the ability to put a new set of tires on the car. That's not the important thing. The important thing is Kevin saw that Jordan needed someone to meet him where he was at, with something he enjoyed, and they connected on that level. And I remember when Jordan got out of the car, as actually David, a different kid. I remember when David got out of the car, I remember seeing that his whole countenance had changed just by sitting in a Corvette, doing something silly with his, you know, with his dad. All because someone understood their role as stewards rather than owners. If Kevin would have saw his role as an owner, there's no way he would have wasted the rubber on his tires on a high school student. He would have said, no, that's expensive. But it was a part of building a relationship with David. Another time, Kevin borrowed a 16-year-old Jordan Perdushni, a brand-new Mustang GT on his birthday, and he gave him, he said, you can pick the Corvette or the Mustang, you get it all night, just don't, don't blow it up. Have it back by midnight. I get a call, and Jordan, I'm his youth pastor, he's like, Kyle, Kevin just said I could use his brand new Mustang. You want to come with me? I was like, no, yes, I do, right? I love cars myself. I'm like, yes. And I also knew that if I didn't come, it may end badly. So I was like, yes, I will come with you. And we rode on for two hours, and I, I, I've never seen someone race so quickly from stoplight to stoplight in Minot, North Dakota. It was just crazy. You know, the 16-year-old boy was just like, rum, rum. I was like, almost sick by the time I was done. But I'll tell you what, for this young 16-year-old to see a godly example of someone who God had trusted much, just like this man who had been trusted with five talents, Kevin had been trusted with quite a bit, but Kevin had also passed the trust test, the stewardship test. You see, what Kevin and Huey had wasn't something held on tightly, but they knew that they could reach people for the kingdom through these things. 
Now, I don't know all their decision-making process or all that, and, but I do know that people's lives are changed because they knew how to steward their money. I want to share a couple practical tips. A lot of what we're going to be talking about is spiritual this morning, but I want to share a couple practical tips that God cares about regarding stewardship with finances. Because he sees the day-to-day, right? He sees our needs. Did you know that God loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to provide for you? He's not a heavy taskmaster just waiting to smash you over the head when you make a wrong move and go to Chick-fil-A one too many times last week, right? He wants to help you get back on track and have healthy finances and be able to steward your money. But the first thing I want to share is how wisely we spend our money will determine how much we can say yes to God. How wisely we use our money and spend our money will determine how often we can say yes to God when he asks us to give when it's unexpected. Now, this has been a hard lesson, guys, I've been learning. So I'm with you. If this is anyone else, maybe you're like, nope, no problem there. We've got a couple grand a month set aside for the yes moments. I'm not there yet, but I'm thankful you are. So the journey I've been going on is realizing that in God's goodness, he allows us to partner with him. And I want to have room in my finances, whether I make $10,000 a year or $500,000 a year. I want to have room in my finances to say yes to God. Putting it on your credit card isn't saying yes to God wisely. Okay, we're just going to throw that out there. Times where you have $200 to your name or $200 in savings and God says, I want you to give that for whatever the reason. That's a massive step of faith, but that's the right way to say yes to God. Maybe it's not always emptying your bank account, but when he asks you to give in abundance, I want us to be ready for those moments. Because not only does someone else receive a blessing in that, right? When we give them those moments, someone on the receiving end is maybe receiving groceries that is as absolutely needed for a family within our church or within our community or a neighbor. Or maybe it's a missionary who needs finances to you know, build an orphanage, whatever that is. But do you realize that we also receive a blessing? I'm not talking financial. Yes, God can bless us back financially, but we don't give because we expect anything. Because we get to experience the joy that that person's going to walk through seeing God move. I have way more joy in my life when I'm obedient with my finances. I really do. It's so cool partnering with the Lord. Sometimes, and I'm not going to get into Dave Ramsey or any of that. I appreciate all those things. But sometimes... When we have too much debt in our lives, self-inflicted debt, mind you, sometimes it doesn't leave us with much room to say yes. And don't get me wrong, there's times where things come up, and I'm not going to get into talk of having a car loan or whether it's right or wrong, but I'm saying is most of the times in my life that I've realized I'm too tight to be generous, it's because of self-inflicted things that I've put in my budget or decisions I've made, right, that don't allow me to say yes. So I want us to be mindful of those things. I want us to, each of us to go on a journey with the Lord. Like, God, how can I live in such a way and make healthy choices with my finances, regardless of how much I make, whether it's $10,000 a year, like I said, more? How can I steward that wisely? And the next one I want to share with you before we move on is something that I feel like a lot of us need to hear this morning. Good stewardship with our finances prevents stress and anxiety. Good stewardship of our finances prevents stress and anxiety. What do I mean by that? There are times in our lives, and all of us have experienced this, where we have unforeseen things come up. That's life, and God will walk through it with us, and it's not always easy. It's a part of growth. But when we mismanage our finances, it's not right for us to blame God when we get to that place and we say we're out of money at the end of the month. 
We look at our bank account. We chose to buy a, you know, a brand new bike. Maybe I want a new set of rollerblades. I'm in rollerblading. Rather than waiting to save up and make sure I have enough money, I buy something, and all of a sudden now I'm out, and my wife's laughing because I rollerblade. But a lot of anxiety and stress is caused because of mismanagement. How many times have we said, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? And if we were to look at our choices and decisions, I would venture to say much of the time we've got ourselves in that place because of choices we've made. Ooh, that's tough this morning, right? Some of you are like, the door's open, I'm out. This isn't encouraging. Well, it is encouraging because it, it, it speaks to me too because we have to be good stewards in order to not get in those places. And when we realize that not all the time, like I said, there's situations that it's not our fault. Hear me out. Write that down so you're not like, this pastor's crazy. But when we understand that much of the time it's because of our decisions, we don't have to walk in such anxiety and lack of faith in God because we realize he is a good God. He's saying there, it's not my fault, it's just math, right? He's like, I didn't do that. He's like, you chose to buy those rollerblades this month when you should have saved up for three months and wait till you had the cash. That little Jimmy doesn't have shoes. I didn't do that. I'm just joking. I haven't done that. Jimmy has shoes. But do you get what I'm saying? Good stewardship prevents a lot of stress and anxiety. As we move on in the parable... We look at verse 16, and it says, The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gave five more. And as you read the next verse, the same thing happened with servant number two who'd, given, who'd been given two talents. One thing that we, each of us has to do as a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, we must learn what God's heart is towards money. We must learn what the heart of God is towards our finances and towards the use of our money. As I said, I don't want anyone leaving this place and going to, you know, Panera after church saying, is this the will of God? And, you know, praying in the parking lot. Like, I'm not saying that. You, you can figure out the overall with the Lord later. But I'm saying is we need to figure out the heart of God so it, 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 it drives our everyday decision making, right? You can have a portion of your budget for Panera every week. That's fine. But we need the heart of God to know and understand what stewardship means and know how to drive our finances. Does that make sense? Recently, God's been taking me on a journey. I felt like I kind of got to a point where I felt like, okay, Tara and I are doing well in terms of not, not saying financially, but like we're starting to get generosity more. I feel like we're being generous and all those different things. You know, tithing's going well. And so I was kind of not trying to be arrogant, but I was reminded recently of like some blind spots in my own life. Like not the obvious areas, but like I felt like God said, Kyle, like, do you really know my heart for your budget? Take a look at your bank account, Kyle. Do you really know my heart? And it was humbling. It was like, whoa, God. And so recently I sat down, looked at our budget, and I was like, God, I'm going to free up more stuff. I'm going to free up more areas so we can say yes to you. I'm going to free up more because now I have a better understanding of your heart for our money. I had $50. I'm going to be totally vulnerable, so hope this helps. Don't judge me. $50 set aside in our budget to give towards something we've been wanting to start giving to it's been on there for about four months, and I found that every month I'd kind of use it for something else. I'm like, I'll oh, get to it and get to it. And I just felt convicted the other day of God saying, Kyle, that money's been set aside. Like, you planned in your own heart. I didn't tell you to do it. You planned in your own heart. And you felt a peace about it, and you hadn't even given to that yet. And so it was literally me going to my computer, setting it up with that organization, saying, okay, God, it's time for me to say yes. 
But it was that moment of me kind of realigning my priorities of saying, God, it's this situation was already there. I was just mismanaging. I wasn't using it for what I was supposed to use it for. Does that make sense? And can I tell you, I experienced so much joy when I pushed the, you know, submit button to monthly reoccurring giving towards this, towards this thing. And I was like, praise God, that felt amazing. Like now getting to partner with God wants to do in this. And so we need to learn God's heart for money. Each of us needs to open up the Bible and, and search God's truth for what he says regarding finances. It's our job as followers of Christ. I, I don't want you to just take my word for this morning. If you're sitting here like, this is new to me, great. Open up the scripture and search for yourself. So both the first two men understood the heart of their master for what they were supposed to do. Number three, we'll be held accountable for the way we steward the Lord's resources. Did you know that the Lord makes it very clear that we'll be held accountable for how we steward his resources? Now, resources aren't just money. The way we use our time, the way we use our gifts, also our money. God, when we stand before the Lord someday, he's going to ask us how well we stewarded what was given to us, what was entrusted to us. You see, everything that you and I have entrusted to us, did you know that's a gift from God? It's not ours. We're just stewards till the day Christ returns. And the reason why he chooses his people to steward finances, I mean, I could try to give you my best answer. I don't get it because we're not that good at it, right? As a, as a whole, we're not that good at it. Some of us better than others. But God in his goodness chooses to partner with his children. And so I feel like we have, like, we have this obligation to want to honor the Lord the best we can in stewardship. So knowing that we'll be held accountable, um, in verse 19 it says, after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And you notice in that parable, when he settled accounts, he met with each of them individually. Each of them was at a different place. That master had entrusted different amounts of money, different amounts of money, I can't talk this morning, to each of them based on what the Bible says was within their ability to handle. But he met with each of them and said, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? It wasn't a matter of who had more, who had less. He just said, I've given you this much. That's what matters. Now, what have you done with it? And guys, someday, even though I know Christ's return and none of us know the day we'll die and stand before the Lord, but can I tell you, there will be a day we will stand before the Lord and have to give account. That's what Jesus was trying to teach in his parable. There will be a day we have to give account. And can I tell you, it's humbling for me because like, I want to be a good steward. I want to use the resources he's given me so that I can see more people encounter Jesus, so that I can walk in more of God's fullness every day and less selfishness. But can I tell you guys, I can be awfully selfish about finances sometimes. I just feel like sometimes I look at my finances and I'm like, man, I'm self-centered. <laughs> I could be doing way more for you, God. I, I don't want to live like that. Next thing I want us to consider is that the Lord rewards good stewardship. The Lord rewards good stewardship. You know, sometimes we can live our lives, like I mentioned earlier, as if God's a heavy taskmaster, right? Every bad thing that happens, we think it's God coming down on us. The truth is we live in a fallen world. We're given free will, so that means there's sin. That means there's junk. It's the world we live in, and I'm thankful that God gives, has given us free will or else we'd be cosmic robots, right? So we have to have this understanding that there are going to be things that come up, but God's goodness is he wants to reward good stewardship, 
You see it right here in this parable. You see it in Luke 19, or sorry, Luke 16, another parable. See, all throughout Scripture, he rewards those who steward what he's given them well. You see, in this parable, what does he do? He tells the ones who steward the money well, well done, good and faithful, sir. Now you can uh, join in, my ma- in the master's happiness. So first of all, we see that there's joy that comes along with good stewardship. Right there, that master says, you can, you can partner with me. You can enjoy the same happiness, the joy, because of what, you know, what occurred through the stewardship. But if you look at the parable, there's also heavenly reward. He was also speaking of a time to come that the way we handle what is given to us now will depend on what's given to us in eternity. Now, I'm not talking monetarily because we don't know what that looks like. But there's also a heavenly reward based on how we spend our time on earth. Can I tell you that's really sobering? It's really sobering to understand there are consequences, but there's also rewards when we learn to trust God with his finances. You see, the man who received, right, 10 talents, he had five. He put it to work. He came back with 10. The master was excited. What did the master do with the one talent that the third individual misused? He gave it to the one who had 10 because he knew that the one who had 10 knew how to handle what was given to him. Guys, can I tell you, I want us to be a body of Christ that can be trusted with God's resources. I want us to be followers of Christ who understand the responsibility of what's entrusted to us. The cool thing about the kingdom and the way God entrusts things to us is that if you're here this morning and you're, you're without a job, or maybe you make $10 an hour, or maybe you're here and you make $50 an hour, no matter what, he doesn't look at our circumstances based off what we make. He sees us individuals and says, here's what I want to entrust to you. Now go and put it to work. Here's what I want to entrust to you. Go and put it to work. To me, that's really exciting because I don't make a lot compared to a lot of other people, but what I know is if I can be faithful with what God's given to me, I'll be considered trustworthy in his eyes, and I can probably be hand, uh, he can probably use me to handle other areas. We must know that this morning. If you're here and you're like, man, I'm struggling with finances. I don't have much. Praise God he wants to use you. Just be faithful with the little you have. The Bible's very clear. If you can be trusted with the little you have, he can trust you with more. You guys with me? We're, we're, getting, we're getting close. Okay. There's no football yet, okay, so you don't have that to look forward to. I just heard it's supposed to hail, so don't even think about going out. It's not going to hail. I'm just trying to scare you from leaving. Make sure you're engaged. Last thing I want us to consider regarding this parable is fear keeps us from living our full potential in the Lord. Fear keeps us from living our full potential in the Lord. What do I mean by that? We look at the first or the third servant, the one who received one talent. What caused him not to do anything with what was entrusted to him? It was fear. Verse 24, the third servant says this, The man who had received one talent came. He said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talents in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. As you read on, Jesus actually repeats what that man said back in the form of a question. So you need to understand the context of this. This is a really confusing portion of Scripture if you don't understand what's going on. Jesus is not a hard taskmaster. The, the master in this story did none of those things. The third servant had a misunderstanding, of uh, an inaccurate view, a harsh view of this master. And you see that when the master basically said, doesn't admit to it. 
Jesus is not saying these things are true about him. What he's saying is, he basically was like, if you and I have a conversation, he's like, so you're telling me I'm a hard master and I, you know, sow where I don't, where I I reap where I don't sow? He was trying to like, basically like, draw understanding of like, so you're telling me that's why you didn't invest. That's why you didn't go to work with the resources I given you, but this is what you think about me? He wasn't admitting to it. So often in our lives, guys, we can allow fear of not having enough. Maybe fear of expectations. Maybe you've had expectations in your family growing up. Maybe you come from a family that says, this is the way you do your finances. You know, X amount of dollars in savings, X amount of dollars in your kids, uh, kids' college fund, and anything less than that is not good, and you figure it out until you get there. Can I tell you that whatever that is, I'm just throwing as an example, if we're living in fear and it's causing us not to steward what God has given us, we're living in sin. If we're letting fear dictate how we use God's resources, then we need to come before the Lord and get on our knees and repent and say, God, help me. I don't want to let fear dictate how I live my life with your resources. I don't want to worry about things that are out of my control. I want to partner with you, God, as the owner of my resources, as my finances, and be a good steward. And you see the result of that servant who had a misunderstanding of what was given to him. He had a misunderstanding of his master. And what, what happened? The resources he had was taken from him because he didn't know how to manage it. He couldn't figure it out. You see, stewardship is more than giving. Did you know stewardship is so much bigger than finances? Stewardship is a heart posture. Stewardship is an understanding and who God is and how he sees us. Stewardship is a matter of obedience and trust. Because when you know the goodness of your Father, your Heavenly Father, it's a lot easier to trust and obey. But until we get to a place where we, can tr- uh, we know His goodness, can I tell you, it's hard to trust and obey Him with such an important area in our lives, like finances. As a steward of our Father's business, we should have an attitude like this. Jesus, whatever it takes to see more people's lives transformed by your goodness, that's what I'm about. Whatever it means for me, God, however you can use what you've given me to further your kingdom and allow others to encounter you, Jesus, that's what I want to be a part of. And how can my finances play a role in that? I'm going to have Paige and the worship band come up. I want you to know this morning, as I said earlier, each of us are on a journey with our finances. Each of us are on a journey of discovering who God is in our lives and his goodness. And if you haven't fully got to a place where you feel like you can trust God, where you feel like you can truly say he is good and I know his intentions are good, I don't want you to beat yourself up this morning. That's a part of my story. It's a part of most of our stories. So what I encourage you to do is continue pursuing Christ in your day-to-day lives. And as you continue to encounter Jesus and who he is and his goodness, these things will start being a lot easier. It wasn't as easy for me to steward my finances when I first started following Jesus because I didn't know if I could trust him. Anyone with me? Has anyone ever been in that place? But the more I know Christ's goodness in my life, the easier it is for me to say yes to God. So what would it look like if you and I, this week, looked a little more like stewards and a little less like owners.
What would that look like, guys? I want you to take a moment to think about that. Personally, individually, this doesn't pertain to your neighbor. This, they have a separate situation. What would it look like if each of us, including myself, took a look at our finances this week, took a look at the way we spent our time, took a look at the way we use what God has given us and said, God, am I really living like a steward? Am I living like an owner? To be honest, I think a few things would happen if all of us would continue to steward what God has given us. I think some of us are in desperate need of breakthrough in our finances. And I think some of us would see that when we start living like owners and less like, or sorry, living like stewards, less like owners. I think some of us would walk in a little less stress if we had a better understanding of our role as stewards rather than owners. I think some of us would understand the goodness of God when we realize that our budgets, a lot of it's mathematics, not lack of God's goodness. I think a lot of us would encounter more joy in our lives if we learn to steward what God's given us better. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.